It's Thought Leader Thursday. Thought Leader Thursday on Metro FM Talk. 14 minutes it is now before 9 p.m. It's our Thought Leader Thursday segment. And uh, we bring this to you every Thursday, uh, speaking to people who we really think are uh, moving the needle in terms of how we think about all of the seemingly intractable issues that uh, confront us uh, in South Africa. Now, uh, one of these is Professor Ruth Hall, uh, who... Uh, has been uh, with PLAS since 2002, uh, holds a DPhil in politics from the University of Oxford, and uh, certainly a a voice uh, that has become uh, quite recognisable in debates around land reform, agrarian policy, and, of course, the role of gender in the countryside as well. And she joins us now on the line. Prof, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Ayo Bonga. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, always a pleasure catching up with you. Prof, I want us maybe to, to start with the moment that we are in. Um, it's uh, certainly a moment of great difficulty, and uh, uh, and maybe the the starting point is uh, some of the issues on the countryside where we know there's considerable amount of food insecurity. What is this moment going to mean for many uh, working people who work on farms, uh, who live in the former homeland areas uh, during this particular moment? And then we can get into some of the other debates around the food system as well. Thank you very much. Um Yeah, I think that um, what's very interesting about this moment is that um, there are silences that are being exploded. Um, And one of the issues that has come to the front so so forcefully is the degree of food insecurity across all areas of South Africa. We should not assume that people who produce our food are themselves food secure. We know the figures among farm workers are terrifying. Um, Farm workers, uh, children growing up on commercial farms are more likely to be stunted from malnutrition than children in urban areas. So I think that what we're seeing right at this moment is... um, is sort of all the fault lines of our unequal society, of our economy, and of our politics really being thrown into sharp relief. Um, In many ways, one would say, you know, we already have a broken economic system. It was a system that wasn't working. Mm. And now with this pandemic, it's it's exposing that uh, in a new dramatic way, in a way that I think feel, leaves many people feeling like we're, we're on the edge of something and we're not sure what it is. Mm. Would it be a turning point where we confront this, where we really say that this, these structural issues cannot allow us to hold together as a nation? Or is it a moment where, where, things, where things deteriorate further and our very mm. politics and our democracy is at stake? So I feel like we're on the edge. And if you say what's going to happen, I don't think that any of us are looking at crystal balls right now. I think that um, the urgency of the situation is such that, you know, people like myself who are academics, we often do long, long-range research. You know, we're having to throw all of that to the side in a sense and say, mm. okay, how do we use the years of research and our connections with civil society groups, our connections with government, our connections with social movements, and try to start a totally different conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I would love to talk about land reform. I think land reform is is what we should have done. It's what we should have been doing for 25 years. Mm. If we'd been doing land reform, fixing our food system, this crisis would have played out differently. Yeah, yeah. Now Prof- we're in the situation, let's, let's think about what yeah. needs to be done right now. Sure. Mm. Prof, I want us to pause here for a second because uh, uh, we need to take a quick spot break. But when we come back, Uh, I want us to unpack, I guess, what we can do in this moment. Uh, And also Mm. the other issue that you're raising, which is, you know, uh, uh, there are also questions of credibility and the legitimacy of uh, the regulations of the lockdown here. If uh, you're placing people uh, who find themselves in informal settlements where uh, uh, compliance is virtually impossible, 
and then you add to that, I guess, the constraint of uh, a food insecure, a household environment. It has the makings of uh, the kind of social unrest. And, and sociologically, we can expect that. We know, yes, this is unprecedented. But I think there is some form of sociological expectation that uh, in instances where people feel like they backed into a corner, uh, the only option might uh, be, I guess, not to comply and uh, to resist. So we'll continue on that vein. And uh, when we come back, uh, take a look at, at that and uh, also what we could have done with land reform and also the child support grant. But I'm saying we have a responsibility, a social responsibility, and that's what's not being talked about. We have a responsibility as people in society, not people above society or away from society, who people are hipper than society, you know what I mean? But people in society whose job is to articulate life and to try to transform it. It's Thought Leader Thursday. Thought Leader Thursday on Metro FM Talk. It is indeed, and our thought leader on this Thursday is uh, Professor Ruth Hall from uh, the uh, uh, PLAS Research Unit at the University of the Western Cape, a poverty, land and agrarian studies uh, institute there. And uh, uh, Prof, uh, you're making the point before we went to the break that uh, you know if we had done land reform, uh, we probably wouldn't be finding ourselves uh, with the kind of food vulnerability that we see. If we had, if we had undertaken a thoroughgoing agrarian transformation, what would that have meant for the food security of many households that are continue to be reliant on formal sector value chains and a market wage to be able to get their nutritional requirements? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. There are about 180,000 black farming households in South Africa. They farm in very, very marginal ways. And they uh, are reliant on very much local markets. They sell um, at SASA pay points where people are getting their grants. Um, they operate under very different conditions and, and not at scale. And I think land reform, part of the vision for land reform is about enabling people like that to, to expand seed, also to promote more urban agriculture, um, but also to give people a secure place to live. And I think there are two things that I want to attention to right now. And the one is that the lockdown has actually locked down poor people's food systems. Mm. So while it has actually protected and defended, you know, commercial farming, corporate supply chains, and, uh, and manufacturing in the food industry, and the supply chains that lead all the way to supermarket retail, all of that has been protected. But in fact, production by poor people, the small-scale farmers, who are in the, by far in the majority um, of producers in the country, have been locked down. We're hearing about people in rural Eastern Cape being fined 5,000 rand for trying to take their livestock to grazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about people being unable to get inputs for production for growing vegetables on the Cape Flats. You know, so... And so small scale and poor people's production has been disrupted. Then we saw in the first week of the lockdown, uh, street traders and spouses unable to operate. And even since the regulations were changed after one week to allow them to operate, uh, in fact, they face enormous uh, difficulties. There's xenophobia with, uh, that the spaza owners are having to face. Many people are saying they can't get permits to operate safely on the streets. Um, so we can see that the whole food system in which poor people produce food, they transport food, they sell food to other poor people. This is how money, importantly, circulates within poorer communities. Mm. That's being broken down. That's why we're seeing people queuing for two to three hours outside shop rights, which itself is a public health problem as well as being an economic problem and a humanitarian problem. So I think that we need to focus on the fact that we do have two food systems and one is being protected. It actually gets subsidies from Mm. the state. This is where... 
shopping malls and townships is where actually state infrastructure provides the public subsidy to those systems. Yeah, and then yeah. and poor, also, I mean, the fact that poor people you pay who grants, are vending food mm, don't. And the mm. fact that you pay grants every month, I mean, to about... Uh, you know, to the tune of around 18 uh, million, I think, also 18 million grants or so. Uh, yes. Also, I guess, compounds the fact because many of those grants are spent on the formal sector food system uh, at the express exclusion of the informal one. And let's maybe come to that. Uh, you were a signatory uh, to uh, one of uh, the open letters that have been sent to the president here uh, calling for a 500 rand increase in uh, the child support grant uh, and arguing that on the basis of uh, the poverty reduction impact of that and uh, I guess the high dependency ratios that we have in many intergenerational households here in South Africa. Absolutely. As somebody who works in the in the food and agrarian setting, we actually recognize that this is a food crisis that is being experienced by a large number of South Africans that cannot be resolved by producing more food. Mm. Food production is not the problem. We are going to have full supermarket shelves and starving people. In fact, we already do. And so our response was to say, listen, on the one hand, uh, defend and protect the production by the poor and the trading by the poor, but the most important immediate thing that government can and should be doing is getting cash into people's hands. And the best way to do that is not to start a new thing where people have to phone a hotline, fill in a form, apply for something, go through some eligibility criteria. It's to use the system we already have. And the most extensive um, database that already exists that tells us a lot about who's poor and who's in need is the child support grant. Now, we know that about five and a half million South Africans have lost their incomes entirely because they rely on informal jobs and informal kinds of self-employment. And, and, and that, those people actually support over 16 million uh, people, including dependents. Now, if we were just to top up the child support grant, that will reach two-thirds of those households. It won't reach everyone, but it would be a good starting point. And uh, that would cost 6.2 billion rand a month. It had come to 40 billion rand in the coming six months. Government has that even within the existing budget if it were to reallocate from other budget lines, for instance, um, improving road infrastructure. There are certain infrastructure projects that can be put on hold. Government can reallocate and prioritize. The point is that uh, we've already missed uh, the beginning of April. Government cannot afford to miss the beginning of May. Cash has to get into people's hands. I think we have seen uh, people starting to um, to attack shops. There are conflicts in communities because some people are getting food parcels, mm. others are not. We actually think that food parcels can become a source of tension and conflict. Mm. Um, and you can't food parcel out a kind of systemic problem like this. We estimate that 20 million people in townships, informal settlements, rural villages who need assistance with access to food. We can't do it merely through food parcels. Prof, and uh, I guess on that uh, point and point, uh, uh, we'll have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but uh, thank you very much, as always, uh, for sharing uh, your insightful uh, contributions with us. And I like the point that you make that uh, a systemic challenge like this can't be, uh, I guess, uh, navigated out of. Uh, with, uh, you know, once-off and very temporary interventions like food parcels or even in the case of uh, water, uh, you know, uh, storage tanks and, uh, uh, you know, I guess emergency rainwater harvesting when the issue is a primarily a systemic one. So thank you very much for your time and uh, for really giving us a lot of food for thought. Thank you so much. Professor Ruth Hall is uh, with the... Uh